Hello people and welcome to another episode of Panels and Bars. You're joined as ever by your hosts, BB Manic and Patrick Allen. And this week we'll be covering the last few episodes of Marvel's What If. But first, some news. So today on the day of broadcasting it, which is the 12th of October 2021, that is International Coming Out Day, DC have announced that John Kent is a bisexual character. For those who don't know, John Kent is the son of Clark and Lois Lane. It's, yeah, it's a really good, it's been received really well by most people. There are people who aren't happy about it, but fuck them. So that book should be coming out. So the book is already on the stands, but that particular issue is due out, I think, next week. So well done for DC being progressive. Marvel's been progressive for a while, but one thing this does highlight, which is a bit of a negative, is that the books have been progressive for years. The movies still have a long way to go because they want to sell to the Chinese market. But we'll talk about that another time. In uh, anime news, the Shenmue anime trailer came out today. Well, it came out four days ago. The final trailer came out today. The makers are saying it's going to be a lot more accessible than the games, which I guess wouldn't really be hard. It looks interesting. We'll give it a go and we will talk about it when it comes out. Is it the, is it the story of the games? or The story it... of the games apparently very simplified. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like starting from the beginning of Shenmue, it's not going to be all like, hey, you guys enjoyed Shenmue 3. We're picking right up from the end of that. No, it's I like assume. you've never heard of Shenmue. Here's what it is. Okay. So yeah, right. could be interesting. Okay. And I mean, the thing is, I'm on board if it makes more people want to check out that franchise and if it means that we might get a remaster or new installments. Who knows? So I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. In DC news, Peacemaker, been an official clip released by HBO. It's only about two minutes long, but it gives us an introduction to the character. Apparently, it's from one of four episodes written by James Gunn. I think he's directed the pilot episode and the finale. He's got other people to direct the other episodes. I don't want to speak too much about when it takes place because that might ruin the Suicide Squad. And a lot of you haven't seen the Suicide Squad, even though you should have. So watch that. Then watch Peacemaker when it comes out next year. It looks decent. Announced just last night by Marvel, Will Powter will be playing Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume 3. James Gunn confirmed it. It'd been floating around for a while. I'm very excited. I think he's a great actor. He does drama really well. He does comedy really well. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm in the minority. I'm not the biggest fan of Volume 2, but I think of the success of... Well, not the success, but of the critical reception to Suicide Squad, I think Marvel's probably going to give Gunn a little more freedom than they already gave him, and he had a ton of freedom there. So I think Volume two, volume 3 could be really good, and obviously Thor's going to be in that. It's the Asgardians of the Galaxy. So it should be funny, and yeah, it should be interesting. I look forward to that, and obviously... Um, there will be the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So next year we're getting two installments of the Guardians. So, yeah, that's the news. I have never seen Will Poulter in my entire life. Yes, you have. Like, I've never seen any of these. I'm on his, I, I just Googled him when I was I'm on his IMDb. Never seen any of these things. I've never seen The Maze Runner. I've never seen we're the millers i've never seen that chronicles of narnia film i've never i've never seen any of these things with him okay I've, I've he's no he's, he's very talented he's very talented he's yeah and he's got a horrible face he's got an interesting <laughs> face um but he's in a lot of okay things and he's always good in them so he he okay he doesn't always choose the best material but he always shines whatever you give him um so i'm looking forward to him i think with the, with the director like with gun he's a great character actor i think he'll do really well yeah, so this week we're going to talk about the last few installments of Disney Plus's very inconsistent What If. Patrick, what did you think? 
Uh, okay, so I guess we'll cover it episode by episode. Yeah. Right. So the first episode that we've got is uh, the the Thor fun party Thor one, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, party Thor. Uh, I don't know if this is a popular opinion, but I very much enjoyed that one. I, I enjoyed it too. Really I enjoyed it too. Um, Although. I enjoyed it, but it's also responsible for something I didn't enjoy about the finale. But we'll get back to that. I really liked the bit at the end when when Thor was all like, "Oh no, my mum's coming home, and I've and I've made Earth all messy, and I've got to tidy it up." And then they were trying to put things back, and 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 then she got there, and they were all like, "Oh hello, mother. We're just having a just having a nice study session." I thought that whole thing was really funny. Yeah. Um, and in general, I really liked the premise of the entire thing. Like, I, th- I think it's kind of sad that the answer to, you know, what if Thor was an only child is, I mean, everything would be better for everybody. Yeah. Um, like, but because it was also better for Loki and he was also happy and they were really, really good friends. I kind of thought that that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, like, I thought that one was really good. I had loads of fun watching it. It was silly and funny and... Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really charming in general. Yeah, um, no, it's great. probably one of my favorite ones. I think so too. Yeah. Overall, um, how did you feel about it? I liked it. I I it, I couldn't fully invest in it because, like a lot of people, I was very cynical and knew that at some point one of the last two episodes was going to have a crossover element. So. I couldn't fully invest because the whole time I was thinking, okay, where does this link <laughs> to the other episodes? And so that was that was going through my mind the whole time. Like I really enjoyed it. I thought the voice acting was fantastic. You know, Chris Hemsworth and, and Tom Hiddleston could do that in their sleep. And I liked that we had cameos from actual Jeff Goldblum and lots of the people who you think that's not going to be them. And it was them for like two lines or whatever. Yeah. I was lying, that was funny. I liked the visual language of it. I liked how a lot of it was just kind of like homages to like sitcoms and or comedy tropes, you know, like yeah, one person yeah. being on the side of a hotel room and the other person being there trying to pretend there's not absolute carnage. That type of stuff. We've seen it a billion times, but it was done in a very funny wink, wink, nod, nod kind of way. And um, yeah. and as you said, the, it kind of nailed what, what it should be for me, which is that that one element, which seems small, can change everything so like you said they were both happier but then also thor is not as responsible as he would have been had, yes, not, had yeah. you know the first movie not transpired you know and you know it's uh rather than i don't know being this person who learns and grows and wants to be a person who is worthy of jane's love he's just kind of hitting on her and being a bit sleazy all the time um, yeah. So it shows you that that one small thing can make a difference, but it, you know it wasn't super heavy with it. It was very fun. It was very enjoyable. So yeah, I think overall one of the stronger episodes for me. I liked Captain Marvel and him battering the shit out of each other. Yes, because we very rarely get characters of that kind of level actually engaging with each other. Usually we get like usually either we get people who are very powerful against people who are less powerful, and it's a foregone conclusion, or you get kind of like one of them's weakened for some reason yeah. so yes yeah, so like just seeing also, also it's rare that you see a two people who you like both of them fighting and mm. b if that does happen they actually go all out because obviously the, the most famous example we've seen is civil war where they all kind of agreed to go easy on each other for no reason at all yeah so it was nice to see two characters who were rooting for both but like also they could kill each other if they wanted to and they were kind of going at it maybe captain marvel was holding her back a bit because she wanted to just restrain him but yeah i i, I loved it i think i'm not been 
100% behind the animation this whole season. But what I will say is that fight scenes and uh, action have been incredibly animated and, and directed for the yep. entire thing. Yeah, some of the stuff, I mean, everything from when Peggy first gets her powers in the first episode and she's like just playing around with the, the shield and bouncing off people and everything like has been really impressive. Yeah. So that was... And in that match, at that fight, I was really happy to see it. It was really cool. Yeah, actually, the only bit that I felt was a little underwritten was the point at which Coulson was all like, we've got to stop him. There's a big party, and now the party is also in France. And I was a bit <laughs> like, it felt like, it felt like they hadn't even made any effort. Like, because it seemed like the idea was that the party was, like, messing the whole world up. Yeah, but, but actually like, everyone seemed really happy. Yeah, there was no, there was no, like, concrete examples, aside from, oh, no, they've knocked over Stonehenge. Yeah. There was no real, like, direct examples of anything bad that had happened as yeah. a consequence. I guess that maybe it, it implied that their last party had destroyed a planet. Maybe, yeah. But again, like, again, it didn't really, I didn't really feel like that was in danger of happening to Earth. Yeah. And it didn't like it seemed like they just needed somebody to try and stop it, and then they were all like, "I guess it's interesting because another Disney Plus show which I've been recommending people check out is Modok, and in Modok, there's an episode where Modok opens a portal and these creatures come across and they party, and they're just like massive party animals, and he gets warned, "Don't get those people here, don't get those creatures here," and he doesn't listen. The reason why he's warned not to bring them is because they don't sleep. They just party. And so what they do is they party and they party planets to death. And then when everyone dies, they just move to the next planet and party them to death. So obviously with that storyline being out already, you can't do that storyline. But yeah, maybe yeah. something like that would have at least given you some stakes rather than everyone's just partying. Because like, it's not, yeah, where's, where's the tension? That sounds pretty awesome. Everyone's having a great time. Yeah, like, like in the end, the tension was everyone's having a big party and Thor's mum fucking told him not to. Yeah, that's uh, it, yeah. Which I, don't, which I don't mind. I thought that was kind of funny. But I, I felt like the the shield, the the whole we're going to shoot nuclear weapons at him was kind of just thrown in there. And I was yeah. bit like, do we need that? No, Although yeah. I really, really liked that bit where, oh, what's he called? Bad shield guy. I can't remember his name. He's from Captain America. I know you mean, yeah. Um, he was all like, we never get to use the nuclear weapon. I really, I thought that was really fucking like, yeah. like, like it's just such a dick that he's all like, oh man, we're always priming the nukes. We never, we never, <laughs> never get to fire him. Um, yeah. So I thought that one was good. I enjoyed that one. Um, so then there was, oh, then there was the Ultron. What if Ultron killed everybody in the, in yes. the universe? Um, which, which I really enjoyed. I, did you? Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about it... Okay, so there's two things I didn't like about it. And this is me being very nitpicky. First off was, I really like James Spader. And it's a real shame he couldn't come back mm. for this. From what I hear, he didn't turn it down. Um, apparently, The Blacklist is still on TV. Like, I enjoyed the first two seasons, but I didn't know it was still a thing. But that's but, why he wasn't able to do this. They're still apparently shooting The Blacklist and people are still apparently watching it. So that's why he wasn't able to do it. And that guy... Ross Marquard, I think I want to say, who's the current voice of the Red Skull in the movies. He did a great job because the thing is, I don't feel like he was doing a spade of impression. It was just his take on Vision and it was very kind of cold and devoid of life. And I think it worked really well for the character. So I really enjoyed it. But I just, I think Spader would have been the cherry on top. And then the second thing is, I just, I can't buy a world and where Voltron and his Voltron bots have just decimated everyone 
and those two are the only two that have survived. I like those characters, but I'm sorry. There's no way Hawkeye survives and Spider-Man doesn't. It doesn't happen. I thought that one was paced like garbage. Like, it was really... It was really inconsistent. It was like it rushed through the setup and then it dragged through some through the archives and it spent ages being all like, oh, is the Watcher going to join? And it was more like, of course he fucking is. Yeah. You know that. Like, and I, I really, really liked the bit where Thanos showed up and and, and got melted in two seconds. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really funny. Um but yeah, in general, and then and then there was like loads of, and then there was like it was like they haven't got, they didn't have time. A lot of it felt a bit rushed. But then they had this unbelievably lengthy Ultron versus the Watcher fist fight. Yeah, where I was just like, this is dull. Um, <laughs> Although I will really, tell you something I, I really did like. Right, so. I think a lot of Marvel stuff has the potential to be really spooky and dark, but for obvious reasons, they don't do it. I did get a genuine sense of dread when Old Trotton was like, uh, who is that? And he could hear yeah, the voice. I liked, I, I and it was like, that, yeah. where are you? That was great. And I, w- I kind of wanted more of that. And like, just the, like when the Watcher was, was almost tempted to push the box so that Hawkeye would find it. And whilst he's getting really excited, he can just hear Ultron in the background like, I'm going to find you. And I thought that was great. That might, More of that kind of creepiness and weirdness would have been great. But yeah, they had to get to the punching each other scene. I thought that was pretty cool. I just in general, I was just a bit like, it's. I also I thought that there, they were like, how are we going to get rid of Captain Marvel? Maybe he takes her into the middle of the planet and blows her up. Yeah. And again, like, I could really have done with like less Watcher versus Ultron and more Captain Marvel versus Ultron. Yes. Because... She seemed like the only person who put up a bit of a fight against him. But then, like, I, I, I don't understand why they're so obsessed with Arnim Zola. Like, they keep <laughs> on being all like, let's bring let's bring that bit character from Captain America back. And yeah. it's like, why? Like, I'm guessing maybe Toby Jones is just well up for it. Like, yeah, I mean, so like, always... I don't know if you've ever played the, the game. The game, uh, Captain America game is actually pretty good. And it fills the gaps between the first and second movie. So you play a lot of the, the missions that he did when he was freeing his fellow soldiers and stuff and okay. and zola's in that as well and that's toby jones so yeah i guess he's just such he has such fun doing it and they like working with him they're like how can we work this back in but yeah he was a bit of an odd choice yeah also there's i think i might be overthinking this but i have i feel like it's a bit of a contradiction to have a character who is so cold and focused and robotic that their ultimate goal is humans don't serve the purposes i need them to serve we must all go but then to say on the other side of that that if he was given all the infinity stones he could do all the stuff he did because he's quite imaginative with the way he uses it you saw him like eating galaxies and stuff and it's like they don't seem those don't seem like the actions of the same person this person who's or this creature who's singularly focused and is like humanity cannot exist everything must be correct everything must be balanced but then who's just doing these looney tunes moves in a fight it's like uh? and he didn't like he didn't why didn't he just snap everybody dead when he got all the stuff yeah. you know what i mean like why didn't he just that's it snap them feel like oh everyone's there and also if if getting all the stones means you can see that there are multi- multiple realities why, why didn't thanos see them like yeah like, or tony or whatever you know what i mean like i just feel like although so I, I think it was less that having the stones gave him that vision and more that the Watcher is really bad at his job. 
because obviously the first time that happens in the series is when he's near Doctor Strange and both instances it's like you can make this observation from far away. Stop leaning three inches away from their neck and whispering. Yeah. Like that's what he keeps doing. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it was. I thought it was quite. I, I didn't. I, I didn't really. Didn't really do it for me. It was fine. But um, yeah. Do you? Whilst we're talking about Lost of Fields, do you know about the missing episode? Yes, with uh, Tony and Tony and Gamora. Yeah, cool. So you know about that. Yeah, because there was. Because there was. Like, that was. You saw that in the last episode, didn't you? Yeah. Where. He was going around collecting other people, but he was all like, "Hey, people from that episode." The, no one's seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey, hey, Tony. So, so, so this is so this goes into what I was talking about before, which was it's not a problem, it's just a slight little me being a nitpicky a hole. But you cannot tell me that the Watcher scoured all realities that hadn't been destroyed by Ultron, found the greatest warriors, and it was that group, like. I'm sorry, but there has to be reality somewhere where another more disciplined Thor survived. That's who you yeah. pick. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, no, but just like Doctor Strange, he can see a thousand different realities, and this was the one that worked out. No, I'm sorry. There would be a reality where you'd find a stone-cold killer Killmonger, a stone-cold killer Thor, they'd all work as a unit, and they'd destroy Ultron, and you wouldn't have to watch one of them betray the team. It probably makes for a less interesting narrative, but practically, those cannot be the best warriors from all realities. I'm sorry. Well, also, my main problem was, like, you know who might have been helpful is that version of Tony with a big suit who he just went to see right? and was all like, uh, Gamora, could you... <laughs> I was just a bit like, like, why not just take both of them? Literally, like, yeah. why not grab the Loki and the Nebula from Thor, Party Thor's reality. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, when you, and when you grabbed T'Challa, why, he's good friends with Thanos. Good, he knows Thanos a good Thanos. Me. Like, <laughs> well, like, like, it was just, it was like, hey, remember the main characters of all the previous episodes? Yeah. And I was a bit like, yeah, I do. But and it, the thing is, what I think is that if for the whole series, the Watcher had kind of been nudging things, into place if it if he if he'd been if it, if the whole way through he kind of betrayed his oath and it had been like oh well he's pushing them into where they need to be to get this outcome yeah then i would have been happy to accept that those that those random people were the best people to go but the fact that he seemed like he was just making up on the spot yeah and he went to that place and was all like come on gamora let's head off and save the universe <laughs> don't worry like like it, it just it was it, it uh, like it baffled me um, yeah. And I also really felt like none of them were even strong enough to fight him without Doctor Strange. This was my thing. If, if that final team was like Thor, Captain Marvel, you know, all your heavy hitters, and I get it, that's, there's less tension in that, but it's also it's less believability for me because you've been showing us for two episodes that this Ultron has ravaged his, his home planet. He went through all the heavy hitters. So it's harder for me to buy that it's down to like captain carter and black widow and they stand a chance it really is really hard for me to buy that you know so dr strange had to give them all magic armor but then yeah. really it was just demon eating dr strange versus ultron with the rest of them kind of like standing nearby and going yeah while, while lasers hit them. <laughs> and it was a bit like i mean it's like when when captain carter had to team up with black widow to shoot the usb it's like this is just highlighting how lame both of you are. That it needs two people to fire this well, USB. Also, like the mo- like the movement, the 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 fact that there was a moment where she was like, "Okay, like Captain Carter, I'm going to need you to help me by pulling his head back," and I was just a bit like, 
Yeah, like it, I was really just a bit like, you know, who would be really useful in this situation is Hawkeye, because because he could yeah. definitely have hit that bow shot <laughs> without needing a second person to pull the head back. Right. And on top of that, it's a real shame that he just killed himself for no reason last episode, isn't it? Like, like, because yeah. he definitely could have made that. I shot. mean, to be fair though, I I did buy that because the MCU has done such a good job of talking about the fact that he does everything he does for his family. So in a world where he doesn't have anyone and he's lost an arm. I can see him kind of being like, "What are we even fighting for? Like, who are we saving?" I get that. Yeah, but I mean, like, if like if you're asking me to believe that Hawkeye is just going to kill himself, why? How? Why did he stay for that long? Why did he just? Yeah, you know what I mean, why didn't he just hang himself when his family died? Like, it's just it was just the fact that he was at the top of a big thing, and he was all like, "Here I am, the greatest marksman in the world. I think I better take this shot point blank by killing myself." And I was just like, "What? Like, <laughs> in what? Like, like there was too much of it where I was just like." I don't understand the motivations for these characters in this moment. I don't understand why yeah. this character is doing this thing. Like, I don't, I don't really, I honestly, I don't really buy if Ultron found out if his, if his whole motive was like humans are bad, I'm going to kill them all. If he found out the world's realities, he wouldn't at least have a look at them and see if they were better. Yeah. I mean? Or find a reality yeah. where all the robots, where, where are the where it's all robots, and then go live there and be all like, "Well, it's nice here, isn't it? Fucking hate you." Yeah, like it just—it was a bit. And then like Killmonger trying to take all. Like, why did they let? So here's my thing: how did how does Killmonger even? I, I guess maybe they explained it in the pub, but really, if you think about it, he shouldn't even know what the Infinity Gauntlet is or what those stones do. He should just know that they need to get them away from Ultron. And how, That's and the first how did thing. he get them away this, from Ultron? Like. How did he get away from them? And how does he hold them? Because as we've seen with the few human characters that have held them, just one is enough to nearly kill you. Like Quill would have died if he A, wasn't half Ego's son and B, didn't have the team sharing the, the stone with him the first time he held it. It killed Tony Stark. So how does Killmonger, who's just a guy who's had military training, hold them? Why, 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 when he was carrying that Ultron robot head around, were none of the rest of the team like, hey, Eric, What's that? Put that down. Like, why, why, <laughs> yeah, why are you exactly. carrying that? Why, like, seems, seems kind of shady <laughs> to pick up that bit of our enemy and carry it with us. What could you, what could you do that? Yeah. Like, and I mean, I just, I don't, like, so Watcher's plan ultimately was, it's okay, eventually I'll just trap him in a pocket universe. Well, how about to avoid having that pocket universe that now Doctor Strange has to watch for all of eternity, maybe just don't put Killmonger in the team or find a Killmonger who's not a dickhead. Like, I don't... What was the plan? Was it, I like, don't see the point. I guess they had to separate him from the stones to get the the pocket universe to work, I guess. How yeah. did they even get the first stone off? The, like, it was off screen, yeah. and then he was just all like, hey, my stone! And then they were, and then they were going after <laughs> it. It was just like that long sequence <laughs> where the stone was on the floor, and they are all trying to grab it, and I was just like... It was, it was very Looney like, Tunes. if only we had one of the many, many characters in the MCU who can grab things from a distance, right? Like, if only... Why, yeah. isn't, why isn't Magic Doctor Strange just grabbing it? Why isn't he just dragging it over to... You know what I mean? Like, it was just... Yeah. Like... Well, you know, it's this is the thing with Doctor Strange, and this is why it's very frustrating when you put him in fights, because he's one of those characters who do one amazing thing and then never do it again. Yeah. It's like, you should do that all the time. Like, in that scene, for instance, there should have been a thousand Doctor Stranges and Ultron wouldn't be able to figure out who the real one is, and meanwhile, the real one goes and grabs the stone. Yeah. But it's like he never uses that Remember trick again. Remember when you had all those ropes and you held Thanos in place? Why not do that right now so that we can get to right? And that, like, Gamora's, oh, don't worry, I've got a shredder that takes out Infinity Stones. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just nip and grab it. 
off screen. Maybe it was in that episode yeah. that, we didn't, that we didn't get to see. I think it's supposed to have been there in that episode, forget, yeah. I've got, I've got the Infinity Stone Shredder, and then they spent all that time using it, and she was like, oh, I didn't work. Does it work? It's not for this kind of Infinity Stone. Well, this is the thing, and I, I, get, I guess why they, I got why they did it, but in the, in the comics, famously... Thanos has crossed realities and they've been like, I have the gauntlet. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't work here. So it was interesting that Ultron was able to just go across realities because in the comic, your stones only work for your realities. And, 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 you know, we've even seen it in the MCU where Loki's in the TVA and they're just gems. They don't do anything. You're just holding a bunch of colored rocks. So it was interesting they chose to give Ultron the power to just jump back and forth and still have his but powers. Then, but the shredder didn't work. She was all like, oh, no. But then the shredder didn't work. So it's like, it's inconsistent. Yeah. Five Infinity Stones, so I can't fit it in. Like, it was just, it, it was yeah. fucking stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. And the thing is that, like, it wasn't, like, I re- again, another another solid action scene. There was lots of really cool fighting. I was a bit like, I don't care about these people very much. Um, yeah. And, like, and it was a bit like, the, the idea that they were suddenly being all like, oh, Ultron's a threat to all realities. And I was a bit like, I bet I know one which he's not a threat to. <laughs> That's the one that makes you all the money. Um, yeah. It was like, he's only really a threat to all these crap ones that we're never going to see again, where, like, stupid shit happens. So it was a bit like, oh, well, who cares? Like, I don't know. Like, I, like it, it, much like the whole rest of the series, there were moments where I was all like, I just right in it. But honestly, in the last episode, I tried I had to watch it. Like, I, I mean, I've been working a lot, so I've been very tired. But I fell asleep halfway through, and then I woke up and was a bit like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll watch it tomorrow. I went to watch it tomorrow and I was like flicking through it and I was like, I have no idea how much of this I even watched. Like, it's all just the same shit over and over again. Um, So yeah, it was not, it didn't, it didn't thrill me. Um, No. On on the whole, what if I'd give like five out of ten? You know what I mean? Like, like two and a half stars. It's, it's, there's, there's the comfort of we know these characters and we like seeing them. We always like seeing new versions of them. Same reason we buy comics every month. But yeah, it, if this had been, if this has somehow been the debut of these adapt, adaptations of these characters and these actors, I'd say the MCU would be off to a poor start. It's not the best thing they've done. It's by coasting too much on being all like, hey, remember Iron Man or whatever? He's dead again. Remember Tony Stark? Remember Tony Stark? He's dead. Because we can't afford Robert Tony Jr. Um, right. And yeah, like it just in general, like, I don't think it's as bad as Captain America. Or what, what was it called? Falcon and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I, by the I end don't of it, think yeah. it's as bad as that. Um, I do. I think, but I think it's worse than Loki and and One Division. Oh, by far. Super hard by far. Loki. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Did you see? Did you see Shang Chi? How's that? I did. Have you seen it? <laughs> no. So. It's everything we expect from a Marvel film, especially an origin film. It has all those beats. One thing I do like about it is that the two protagonists are female and male, and they're just best friends. Oh, that's nice. There's no romance into that's... that. They're just really good friends. Um, and it's like, uh, Aquafine is kind of more of a sidekick, but it's like, she has more than enough opportunities to leave him and be like, this is insane. These, there are people trying to kill you. And she's like, I've been your friend for 10 years. I'm not going anywhere. And I just, I think it's, it's, it comes from a real, it, yeah, it's nice, a real yeah. natural, it's her choice to be involved. It's her choice to have his back. She doesn't get thrown into these crazy shenanigans. Um, and I mean, you've probably seen more than enough reports about it, but the, some of the fight sequences are just insane. 
Like, he is so good. And a lot of the stuff that you see, he's so good at it that it's only when you leave the theatre afterwards you're like, wait, that's like, took an insane amount of skill. Like, it's the old Jackie Chan stuff where he's throwing his jacket off, tying it around someone's hand whilst he knocks them out, then he whips it back and puts it back on. Like, that kind of... And I was watching a behind-the-scenes of the famous bus sequence. Everyone's seen it now. I think that was like... So they've been working on this film for a long time, but that particular sequence was two years because they took... They took wow. a year to visualize it and then they tried it all kinds of different ways. And it's like, we can't just do this in one take, which is their initial plan. So they had to build like seven different buses because it's all on a physical set. So like one had this kind of gyroscope mechanism beneath it. So it moved like a real bus. But then there was one that gets chopped in half. Then there was one where they could film on the green screen and get all the angles. So they really, it was like Previs special effects team mapped it all out. Then the fight scenes, then the fight guys had to map out how they were fighting. Then they all met and they were like, okay, if you're doing that, how do we film it? And what parts are real and what parts aren't? And, you know, where do we use wires? What can he physically jump up? Like, it, it, it paid, when you see it, that that paid off. Um, and this, the villain is very interesting because they don't have the same motivations as other villains. Like, if, essentially their plan is like, they're going to put the whole world in jeopardy. But the motivation behind that comes from a very different place from most Marvel villains connection to the hero is really organic. And so it's a lot more, you're a lot more invested in it than you are than most MCU villains. Is it like, uh, they were at a party one time and then they said they'd meet him on the roof, but then they didn't <laughs> meet him on the roof because, because I feel like that would be, yeah, like, that's a reason to destroy the world, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So the real Mandarin that you do see in this, um, some great cameos of a cameo that is like really goofy and stupid, but will make you laugh. And a very interesting post-credit scene. In fact, obviously, you know now they do their two post-credits because casual people always leave before they the proper one. But the mid-credits mm. is very interesting. Yeah, and the post-credits is weird because I thought I knew who the big bads were going to be at this new phase. And then you see this post-credits and you're like, wait, maybe they're not the big bads? So that's quite interesting. Um, so if, if for nothing else, I'd watch that. But yeah, I definitely think of the Marvel okay. stuff I've seen this year okay. it ranks in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> High praise. Well, it's, listen, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, stuff it's, I've seen, it's, it's, right. it's no, it's no Loki, but I enjoyed it more than all of what if, and I definitely enjoyed it way more than black widow. So okay. yeah, I, okay. I think, I think what laid it down for me is the script isn't that sharp. Like the, both the leads are very charismatic. The villain is one of the most charismatic actors they've had in the MCU. But the dialogue is just then it's not up to their standard. And if, if if it was anyone less charismatic, oh, it would come across badly. They're able to sell a lot of bad dialogue. So for me, with a sharper script, number two could be fantastic. Nice. And you also saw germs burned in whatever that fucking James Bond film yes. is called. Yes, okay. So are you going to watch it? Uh, no, 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 I'm not. So feel okay. free to do any... I mean, I'll probably watch it. When I can watch it. Listeners, I'm going to put some timestamps for everything we talk about in this description. So first off, non-spoiler review. One of the best looking James Bonds. It's not the best looking. The best looking James Bond is Skyfall, but that film is boring. It's got some great acting. And what's interesting is, you know, when you've watched all of Daniel Craig's Bond films, which he's been a producer for all of them, you can kind of tell 
he's been looking at stuff on the internet and being like, hey, we should do this. So the first film, he was like, have you seen this parkour thing? We should do parkour. And to be fair, those scenes are great, but it very much feels of the time. And in the yeah. next film, he was like, have you seen this Jason Bourne thing? We should do Jason Bourne. So there's that scene in the hotel, which is just completely ripped off from Jason Bourne. And then when you watch this, he's going, have you heard about this John Wick thing? It's, it, we should do that. So there is, I think about seven minute sequence, which is all one take. Okay. And it's actually great because I love James Bond. I love James Bond unapologetically, but he is a psychopath and a misogynist and a psychopath. And it's, it's hard to, it's easy to like lean into that and be like, why does anyone like this guy? But then when you see the action scenes that are executed well, you're like, yeah, he's badass. And so that seven minute sequence is him just like mowing through a bunch of enemies, all one take. And like, he's not invincible like he has been in others. He gets like, a, someone throws a grenade and because he's not paying attention, it goes off in his ear. And so he's just like, he's disoriented and like the, the, the camera's moving around and like being really shaky and just like, it's, it's filmed really well. I'm not sure if they really did it in one take, but it looks like one take and it's a great sequence. Hmm. The, the supporting cast of characters is great. I mean, the problem with this film, I think it's been the problem with all the films, is the whole thing is, James Bond is really old and this is not this is a young man's game and he's really old which would be great if you hadn't told that same story in all five of his films so it doesn't really have that impact yeah, and it's well, a shame like, when was the bit when James Bond wasn't old exactly just Casino Royale yeah, and, and yeah that's it well, it's, yeah, the first half of Casino Royale and then he retires at the end of that it's almost that Mission Impossible thing where like you know Ethan's always going to be disavowed and you know, he has to, always has to clear his name in the new Craig films James Bond always retires and then he comes back after going rogue. So it doesn't have that impact. And it's a shame because there are some really great characters in this. There's a new 007 who's replaced him. And she's this sexy young black female agent who was just so much better at his job than he is. And he doesn't mm -hmm. like that. And then I forget her name, but Anna de Armas is in this. Um, she has, it's a shame because they've put her on all the character posters. She's in it for about 10 minutes, but she's, probably the best thing in the whole movie she's just okay. an agent who like when you meet her you think she's really bumbling she's like really nervous to meet him and she doesn't really know what she's doing and then they spring interaction and she's just this one woman army and she's phenomenal she's taking like he because he's so old he's like struggling to fight one guy outside and she's inside taking out seven guys by herself like someone throws a grenade at her and she just kicks it back at him like she's phenomenal so there's loads to love about it Rami Malek is wasted in this he's just generic stock bond villain facial disfigurement no one understood me so now i must take it out on humanity it's boring he's like he's wasted there's like loads of violence but no blood which i wasn't crazy about i just kind of it kind of took me out of it yeah, I hate that. um like there's a scene where um okay let's go into spoilers so spoilers for everyone i'll put warnings and then just i'll put timestamps just go to timestamp but yeah the, this the film opens with him using machine gun on a woman he like uses the ak-747 and kills this woman and then it cuts to her corpse and there's no blood anywhere. And it's like, I don't know if you guys have used an AK-47, but that's not how that works. Um, yeah, and then it's kind of, it's it's one of those Bond films that doesn't know what it wants to be. So a lot of the, the fight scenes are hand-to-hand, -hand, you know, real real world looking stuff. Like I said, it's very John Wick, you know, it's about his, his wits and his skills. But then the plot of the villain re re relies on like nanobot technology that infects people's blood. And you know, it's like, what do you want? Oh, I love nanobots. Yeah, but like, what do you want? Do you want it to be this insane, you know, 
global technical or is it a down to earth it doesn't really know what it wants to be yeah so the major this so the major spoilers which are actually things i liked about it are there's basically two twists to it one this is the first james bond film where he becomes a dad what yeah and that, it's actually handled really well i mean it's definitely not um, the first time james bond's had a kid is it like james bond's got oh no definitely. i would like yeah. a james bond movie <laughs> yeah, where all his illegitimate children came to get him and we're all like, we're here to claim some fucking child support, motherfucker. Yeah, though they should be the villains. But no, she, it's actually like a really cute uh, child actor. And it's actually, it helps with his growth and his development. And a big part, he misses like the first few years of her life just because he's a dickhead. And he threw, he, like he basically made her mum leave. Because he just, a normal person would say, hey, someone told me you betrayed me. Did you betray me? Not James Bond. He grabs her really roughly by the arm, throws her in a train and never sees her again. So when he sees her again, she's got a kid. So, <laughs> so, so sorry. He, somebody told her him that she betrayed him. So he chucked her in a train and just didn't speak to her again. That's it. Yeah, just went about All right. Life. I mean, I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's an action I totally buy from James Bond in Venice, especially down the Exactly, because he's a terrible person. Yeah. Uh, and then the second twist is, this is the first film in the franchise... Where James Bond dies. Oh, he dies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, but he's not dead, is he? Because the- no, no. Well, he's dead. He's, I mean, obviously, well, when you, when you stay dead in the credits, you get the James Bond will return. So, yeah. Like. Yeah, I I suspect they're going to reboot it with Cavill. But I yeah, I just love the fact that I think they acknowledge the fact that Craig's done a lot for the franchise, and if he's leaving, maybe kill him off and so um uh felix leiter who was jeffrey wright he also dies in this installment as well there's I like there's bernard. a there's a character in <laughs> I like bernard yeah he has a, he, he, yeah he has um well not bernard but you know felix leiter <laughs> is he in casino royale yeah he's been in casino royale quantum of solace i think he has a, a quick cameo in one of the other films but this is like the longest he's, he's been got, in any what film. an incredible impression he made on me in those films <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny, actually, because so there's there's a line where someone needs his help and they're like, come on, help me, brother. And he says, I had a brother. His name was Felix Leiter, which is a great line. Apart from the fact that like you've given him five minutes of screen time in most of these films. So it's hard for us to buy that relationship. But they do have great chemistry together. And he is good. Okay, So what I would like to know is, are there any little quips after he kills people? Yes. Because what I really miss in Daniel Craig's Bond is, you know, when he like chuck somebody onto a horrible metal fence and then and then they get skewered through the eyeball and their, their brains are coming out and he goes i guess he got the point um like uh, like yeah uh, that's so really like that well this the thing is it once again it highlights the fact that he is a psychopath there is a guy who's got like this electric glass eye and q has given bond this invention that i think like sends out radio waves so he points at the guy's glass eye and the guy's eye explodes in his head and Bond says, Q, I showed your gadget to a friend of mine. Blew his mind. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it, it, I mean, it knows what it is. It knows exactly what it is. But I was impressed. It means uh, visually there's some great stunt work. There's some great special effects work. Some of the driving stuff is just like, ins- I mean, there's a scene where he's in his Aston Martin and you're not sure if it's the one he's tricked out. And then the guns come out and you're like, it's definitely the one he's tricked out. And then he just does donuts with the guns on. And just massacres a bunch of henchmen whilst doing these donuts. So there's like really cool inventive stuff like that. And yeah, it, it, felt, it felt fun. I don't know how they're going to reboot it from here. I don't know if they'll, you know, they'll go back to Casino Royale style level or it'll just be where it's always been, where, you know, the next person comes and they're just going on as business as usual. Because you don't really need to tell the story again, do you? You don't need to tell us how no, it became Bond. We know it now. I mean, so. no, I, I, I'd quite like 
Well, I, I, I mean, I assume that we'll go through all of the same things we always do, which are the rumours, the persistent rumours that Idris Elba's going to be bummed, and then people... Yeah, which he's like, turned down several people times. People will be like, Quentin Tarantino's going to do it. And then people will yeah. be like, it'll be set in the 60s. And then, yeah. and then it'll be none of those. Oh, Bond will be a woman. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then it'll be none of those things. See, we'll get a white see years ago... 2022, directed by someone who's okay, but then yeah. not great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You see, years ago, Wildstorm did a, a special issue. Well, Wizard Magazine did a special issue dedicated to Wildstorm. And they asked Jim Lee what properties he would take on if they could do any properties. And he said he would take on the James Bond property. But what he would like to do is he would like to do a series about other double O's. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what they should do. You can have your Idris cake and eat it because you make him 008. You can have Quentin Tarantino direct one episode or write one episode. You can have Angelina Jolie as Jennifer Bond and set that in another universe if you want. You can have all those things and still not mess with the status quo because the broccoli is obviously quite protective about him. So, has it, yeah, has that's... It- failed i heard that it made no money is that is that accurate i heard that it's not i think it's i think it's it's based on projection because covid has meant that craig and a lot of the crew can't fly over to china so obviously you lose your china market and they've spent a ton of money on obviously the the promotion they did for when it was supposed to come out and then the fact they held it and then they originally so so basically at one point because they were hemorrhaging money netflix was going to buy it and they didn't, uh, Netflix didn't offer them enough. And then Amazon were going to buy it. And they didn't offer them enough. And then I think Sony was going to buy it. Like it's an insane amount of studios have been trying to pitch in to buy it. But I think a few of them have been like, if we buy it, we also want the James Bond rights. So it's, it's not been great for them. And then like, there's a few scenes in this film where we, were, we already know Daniel Craig hates being in these films, yeah. but he had to film, he had to refilm, I think three scenes because they have heavy tie-ins with both Heineken and nokia and the period of time since they filmed it and now has been so long heineken have changed the design of the bottle and the nokia phone has come and gone and a new model is available so they had to reshoot those scenes with the new nokia has you not got like a sony via laptop anymore like i really no nokia nokia put some massive uh bid in to be the so the so mi6 are using nokias in this film i really enjoy the the early daniel craig era where he's constantly just using like crap sony technology that nobody would ever yeah. buy so like he's <laughs> yeah. in a he's Especially in the bahamas MI6. mi6 sent him there for uh they flew him there first class and they brought him an aston martin and also they brought him a sony ericsson phone <laughs> i'm just like i guess they had to they had to cut the budget somewhere didn't they also they do the they do the marvel disney thing where it's hinted at that q is gay but it's enough of a passing line that they can just cut it out for the chinese release yeah. so basically bond comes to see him at one point and he's obviously cooking dinner for someone and he's like you have to go you have to go and then they're like you're on a date and he quickly says he'll be here any minute and that's it and so it's like, hey, we're progressive, but just progressive yeah. enough that we can cut it back out. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, you know, I, I like, I think they should make James Bond just brutally make out with another dude. Like, like. I mean, the one <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Skyfall, but in Skyfall, it's oh, heavily yeah, implied he's a, bisexual. It's a bit of a sexy moment, isn't there, between him and uh, Rotten Face? I don't remember. Like, yeah, actually. Silver. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, that feels shite. It is. Um, it is. It's a shame because it's the best looking of all the films, but it's so boring. So I, I, that's the one where Daniel Craig saw saw the Dark Knight five years after it came out and was all like, "Oh, yeah. I thought the, the Dark Knight things, couldn't it?" The funny thing is, you know that at one point Nolan was on board to direct it, right? I don't think that. 
I don't. I, I would rather not see a Christopher Nolan film constrained by the producers of James Bond. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. just don't really. Well, a lot of there's. I don't know how much truth there is, but a lot of people who were part of the early production when it was going to be Nolan's Bond have said that he pretty much took all those ideas and then they became Tenant. Yeah, and like James Bond would never have a backwards bullet that travels backwards yeah. through time, and then this yeah, is like, it. And that's that's the thing is that like like I mean Tenet, it wasn't a great film. But mm. I enjoyed it, and what I would say is I've never seen any other films like it. Whereas yeah. most James Bond films, I'm a bit like, this is like I've seen this that other. Film. Well, and also I'm, I mean, I, I like I, I'm, I'm a big Pierce Brosnan James Bond fan, um, and I feel like the spirit of those films transferred across into the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of Brosnan. Do you know the insane fact about um, the la- the final scenes in Skyfall when he returns home? No, it was Brosnan going to do it. So when it was Danny Boyle, he didn't want this at all, and the studio kept trying to force it on him. So you know Kincaid, who's the housekeeper? Yeah, it looks like Sean Connery. Was going to be Sean Connery. Connery agreed. Boyle was like, it's too weird. The audience is going to be like, so is he James Bond and he's pretending to be someone else? Like, what is this? And so not only was he like, I don't want to do that, but the studio was then trying to propose another idea where Skyfall would have been a cover story. It wasn't actually James Bond's home. It was a home for former agents. And when they need backup, he goes into a room and sat at the table, a Lazenby, Brosnan and Dalton. And Danny Boyle was like, no, that's what, what are you doing? I don't want any part of this. And so that's a big part of why he left. Like the home for retired James Bonds. Yes. Which it would have fed into that internet theory that James Bond is just a title and not an actual person. I quite like that. Like one of the things I found when he was talking about Skyfall was when he had that car from the 60s and he was all like, ah, it's my old car. And I was all like, wait. See, I, that oh. didn't distract me because I, I know that a lot of those films, the Craig films are trying to be introduced are they trying to introduce the older older films as part of his continuity what distracted me was apparently that's not even supposed to be from the 60s it's supposed to be the fil- the, the car that he won in casino royale and it's like he was in the bahamas how did he get that car back to europe I, that doesn't make any sense what just even his money he was gambling with it's nice car yeah, right like, q's car <laughs> i think well, i think maybe, the that maybe, maybe, back. Those bits in it. maybe maybe q never gave it to him and he just went to that the weekly planet were talking about it recently and they were like what you know what call did he make was like hey accountant i need you to fly over that car that i won in a legal gambling match from a man i murdered with money like, that you gave like, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like I, I feel like that's yeah okay i didn't yeah the, the, the craig films are all over the place in terms of continuity because some of them are like hey casino royale happened then all the sean Connery films happened and then this film happened but then some of his films are like no only the last three Craig films happened. They're the only ones that matter. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you something weird about No Time to Die. It opens and closes with We Have All the Time in the World, which is the oh, theme. Richard. Yes. What? Which is another film. Well, that's the thing. It's a film where he gets married. Yeah. So it's like, okay, are we acknowledging that, that he got married in that film or are we not? Because if we're not acknowledging that, then why are you using that theme? I don't understand it. I really like on Majesty's Secret Service. Like, that's one of my favourites. Well, the funniest thing is, the funniest thing is, so after he dies, the last scene is his wife driving their kid, and she goes, I'm going to tell you about a man, and his name was Bond, James Bond. And the daughter says, is it a long story? And she goes, don't worry, we have all the time in the world. Oh, oh, yeah, it's just weird. Oh, I would have preferred it if the car had slammed into a wall, the kid had 
got an impale on the fence. The mum had been all like, I guess she got the point. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, Do we have time, man? <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> uh, so, Patrick, what have you been watching? Uh, I have been watching Squid Game, like everybody else in the world. Um, yes. <laughs> have you watched it? I have. Did you like it? I loved everything apart from the final scene. Yeah, I would say I liked all of it except for the last episode. Um, I, I, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I think that's a very human, that's a very believable, I can't let you guys get away with this. You you killed people I came to love. You messed with me mentally. I can I completely buy that. It also is very frustrating from when you're seeing a man who you want to win so he can take care of his daughter. When he's... Get on the plane, man. Get on the damn plane. Yeah, I mean, that's what Logan shouted at it. <laughs> I think that that's consistent with his character because he's a bad dad. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's not He's not a <laughs> yeah. good parent. So, like, what I thought was that, you know, the sequence where... And I guess we're spoiling this loads, too. But, um, yeah, yeah spoilers for the Squid Game. Sorry, everyone. Where he, um, where he lay down with his mum. I thought that yeah. that would have made a much more functional ending. Um, yes. I kind of thought all the stuff after that... Now the old man's the bad guy. Now, because it didn't really explain any of the questions I had. No, well, here's the thing: like the big revelation is that rich people are assholes. They love watching other people yeah, die. Like, we kind of got that scene. We got that for anyway from seeing the undercover cop in that room where they're all just rich assholes betting on people's lives. Yeah. I didn't need the old man. Also, maybe you can correct me on this, or maybe anyone listening can correct me on this. But when we saw the flashback where we find out the old man was originally the big guy in charge, we see him telling his underling. Make my excuses for me. I think this game's going to be more fun if I'm in it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but by the time we see the episodes coming for the VIPs episode, I feel like his character had already left by that point. I don't know if he had. So for he, me, the timeline doesn't match up. But he'd definitely already been playing the game for ages. So it doesn't make any yeah. sense that he would then. Be when does like, he keep, yeah, leaving to be in that costume yeah, and like, I, having the mask I on? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. I also felt like the, the undercover cop story just kind of petered out, just seemed to. End. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and, his, and he was all. I like, mean, oh. unless that's being a very clever, we're going to give you, you know little droplets for a possible season two unless that's what that was but yeah they gave it quite a lot of mileage and at the end they were like oh yeah we were doing this undercover cop thing weren't we just kill him off well and also it like they didn't even kill him off probably like he got shot in the shoulder and fell in the sea and that's yeah he, says so he might dead. Do you know what i mean like the only thing that made me think he's dead is they had the shot lingering on his brother looking over the over the the cliff to confirm the kill so that's what made me think okay he is dead but one what, what was was quite interesting about the brother about him that they don't really speak about is that when his brother is digging through the files, he finds out he was a former winner. So have they contacted anyone else about being part of it? And, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's another thing for season two that, you know, when our main character goes back, he's going to come face to face with people and be like, you, you, you're part of this after they did this to you. And, you know, maybe that's something they're going to do. The with final, the, the files also mention versions from other countries. I can't remember what countries, yes. there's some sort of reference to a, a squid game, UK or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> that would be shit, wouldn't it? It'd be it would really, be really shit. It'd be like total wipeout. Um, yeah. Plus, we uh, don't have the best games either. I know we have some of those. We have lots of time, Mr. Wolf. You know, like yeah, um, true. yeah. Which was in that <laughs> knockdown, Ginger. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss Chase. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, like I, I thought that it, I really liked the general. I, I thought it was shot beautifully. 
I really like. Oh yeah, fantastic. Do you know? Have you seen how much of it is blue screen as well? Yeah, loads. It's really impressive. It's, um, it's insane. Like the level that visual effects are at nowadays. I saw the behind the scenes. I couldn't believe it. And then it's funny. What's funny is the one area that I thought was going to be completely CG, which was the pink staircases. Yeah, that's all practical. That's all real. Yeah, it was it's weird. crazy. Um, <laughs> I really like the pacing. The first parts, like I liked that they went yeah. in, they came out, and there was that episode where they all thought about how shit their lives were outside. Um, it really, I feel like it peaked at episode six with the Marvel game. Like that yeah. really, that really, like that destroyed, I was watching it with the kids and that really destroyed us. All three of us were just yeah. crying so much. It was unbearable. It was fantastic. But yeah. after that, I felt like it got a little bit like, I felt like, especially with the way that they killed off uh, 69, I can't remember her name, um, with, mm. the, with the random shard of glass. And it was a bit like, it felt a bit like they needed they needed the main guy and Sangwoo to be the last two people. So they just... Yeah. Although it's what's out. interesting is I, ha- I found out recently that apparently she is like huge in Korea. So mm. whilst it maybe didn't have that resonance for us, I think a lot of people thought the, what the series was building up to was her swiping the carpet out from under both of them winning. and ending up winning it. So because people in their heads had just been like, yep, she's going to win... When that happened, right. it was actually a real gut punch. To, so, like, I'm like you. I was like, it's definitely going to be down to these two. But I think back home in Korea, a lot of people were like, what? Obviously, she's so, going yeah. Okay, that makes sense yeah. then. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of like, that's so that, and that's that makes sense if they are the intended audience originally. Uh, I yeah. saw another thing that said that it is, uh, it is the most popular Netflix series. It's on track to be the most popular of Netflix all series of all time. Like, yeah. Which blows my mind. Like it was, yeah, especially it, when you consider a lot of people forget that Breaking Bad is a Netflix production. I, so. what, what I really think <laughs> is crazy is that it's this, it's that it's, it'll outpace like Tiger King, which came out yeah. at the peak of lockdown, and I feel like everybody I've ever met watched, despite it being yeah. you know, stupid crap. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was very good. Um, it's yeah, it's too. definitely. I, I think it definitely deserves the attention that it's getting. Much yeah, more me too. than a lot of the other Netflix shows, which have kind of become the big hit thing for this week and have and have been yes. kind of like bland because it's definitely yeah. not bland. It's it's that's it, and I'm really hoping it encourages Netflix and other networks to take chances on weird stuff like this and weird international stuff like this. Yeah, we need more of it. I really hope we get more more like uh, subtitled stuff getting like pushed by Netflix to me because I, like, yes, one thing I've noticed. Um, so we play a game called the Netflix game. Where what you do is you leave Netflix until the title cards flash up, and then yeah. you have to name what the show is before the title card comes up. Um, okay, one of his favorite games. Uh, so, so and like, and we generally we use Beth's account because she pays for Netflix, and it's the main account that we mm. use. Uh, and it comes up with a lot of cooking shows, sitcoms, and movies because that's yeah. what we use it for. Um, but yeah, sometimes we play hard mode, which is when we go on my account. Which is entirely anime, um, and actually, there's enough anime on Netflix to fill up an entire carousel's worth of of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and it lists me other like foreign language films with subtitles that, and it's and it's like a whole different subset of stuff that yeah, people that, that that Beth would never see because Netflix doesn't think she wants to see it. Basically, yeah, um, and so I think that. One of the things that's notable about Squid Game isn't that it's an interesting Korean program on Netflix. It's that it's an interesting Korean program on Netflix that the algorithm has decided everybody should see. Should watch, yeah, which exactly. Is, which I think yeah. is very unusual. So, um, 
I hope that they all tweak the algorithm a bit so that more weird like foreign language stuff gets pushed to more people because yeah, I no, think agreed. that would be like because I think loads of people have clearly watched this. I don't know if they're watching it dubbed like 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 children, um, but yeah. I'm assuming that a lot of people have watched it with subtitles, and so I hope every time I'm I'm generally happy to watch anime dubs because obviously the mouth movements don't matter as much. Uh, mm. Although it depends, like Akira's lip synced perfectly, so the dub makes me yeah. makes me cut myself. Um, <laughs> I also struggle with things that I watched dubbed before I was like a big old nerd who watched everything subtitled. Yeah. So like I can't handle the Dragon Ball Z. I can't handle the voice, the original dra- Japanese Dragon Ball Z voice. So I just I just hate them. Like, it's not I'm, what you know. Just, yeah, like, that makes sense. That's not Vegeta's voice. Um, but yeah. in general. <laughs> I will watch everything subtitled because I personally feel like, especially if it's live action, you yeah. miss out on a lot of the nuance and emotion that the actors bring to it. If you, if you can't, yes. it. it's like, yeah, but no, I, I thought it was really good. Uh, um, yeah. I haven't too. really watched anything else. Oh, oh, I think okay. the other thing we've been watching is the Apple TV adaptation of foundation. Uh, okay. which I don't know. I don't know if anybody's watching it, because uh, I, I saw a trailer and was really excited, but of course the trailer came as my Apple TV trial was coming to an end, and I refused to pay for Apple TV. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody's got Apple TV. Uh, other yeah. than me, obviously, I've definitely got Apple TV. Totally bought Apple TV and I'm watching it legally <laughs> through legal means because uh, I would certainly never, never acquire anything by any other methods. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, I Patrick, don't... we need to stay on the podcast library. Do not, do not piss them off. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is watching it. Um, I really like it, but okay. The but the the TV communities that I'm in on Reddit all think it's shit, and the Foundation yeah. book community all fucking hate it. So I'm not optimistic wow. for it getting any sort of long term pickup. Uh, it is, and I was, and I don't say this lightly. It is the most expensive looking TV show I've ever seen. It is yeah, like, the trailer looks really impressive. It is better than the majority of Hollywood movies. It's not like one of those TV yeah. shows where you're like, "This is good." Well, I, I, so I went when I went to see um, Shang Chi. There was a trailer for that, followed by a trailer for Dune. And I, one in my head, I was like, "They look as good as each yeah. other." Like, obviously, Dune looks bigger, and you know, Dune looks like you, you can tell. But but it's like they don't look worlds apart. I remember thinking that yeah, when I it, saw it. I was like, it's, "That's it's, pretty impressive." But that obviously also throws me a bit because there's a little bit of me that's all like it needs to do really well to keep, because it's clearly got just like a phenomenal budget. And But this is the weird thing about the streaming age now. None of them want to release their numbers. Yeah. So you could be watching a show thinking you're the only person on earth watching it and there could be millions of you. And the flip side is you could be watching something thinking, oh, everyone must love this as much as I love it. It's been cancelled. I don't know if anyone else watches it, but I, I, watched, I watched the OA and I love the OA. And the first two seasons are so big budget. I thought well, it must be doing well. That's why Netflix is investing in it. Yeah. And then season two ends on a cliffhanger, and they cancelled it. Yeah. So, whereas, like, I Heath was watching The Outer Banks. Have you seen that? Um, I know of. I haven't seen it. And, and I thought that it was just like some random trash he'd found. And then Netflix was all like, "Yes, yeah, the third most popular show in the world today." And I was like, "What <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Is like how?" <laughs> um, so yeah. So there's no way of knowing really whether anybody else is watching it. I would very much recommend Foundation, but I would okay. not go into it expecting 
a normal sci-fi story because it is not good it is okay good is, yeah we need something new um, definitely uh, and i like i like you know it's and it's but also if you've read the book i would not go into it expecting anything that's something that's anything like the book because the book is even more so than watchman or anything else that i've ever heard this word put to the book is unfilmable it is literally okay. filmable. Like, yeah. book is a series of short stories, each set about 150 years apart on the same planet. So, it like, it you literally, you can't, like, you can't do a TV show where after three episodes, they're all, like, 150 years later, the cast is all different. Because, like, yeah. like, that just doesn't work. And also, the book is really not concerned very much with characters. It's very much a story about, like, like the, the, the movement of humans over long periods of time. And like how societies change based on the actions of people in the past. And so you see these characters and then they do something which is good for the society that they live in. And then you cut back to 150 years later and what they did has morphed into something that is no longer good. And then a character who's very similar to them is all like, we need to change this. And everyone's all like, no, we worship old person who was rebellious in his day but now you know what i mean and like and that yeah. is it makes it for a fantastic book again i'd very much recommend it to anybody it's my favorite novel but cool. it wouldn't work as a tv show like it's much yeah. like um so they've there's been some movements some uh, some announcements on the netflix live action adaptation of one piece uh okay. which i firmly believe is an impossible thing to adapt into live action. Yeah. Um, I, I don't... From the, I don't I've, I've never watched it, but from the screenshots and artwork I've seen, I'm like, unless you lean all in and deliberately try and make it a cartoon come to life, I don't see how you can make yeah, it work. It won't work. Like, there's, like, it's got the most basic problem is that the main character has got like Mr. Fantastic powers. And I've never seen that yeah. done in live action. I, I, no. I, I, I firmly don't. Really I mean, like I've, I've heard, I've heard good things about Cowboy Bebop, but even that with the artwork I've seen from the original manga, I'm like, that's very stylized. I don't know how you're going to make it work in live action. I just don't. Yeah. Like one piece has a guy who fights with three swords, one in each hand, one in his mouth. Like, and again, <laughs> that's a thing that works in a cartoon. Like, yeah. it works where, like, and, and then there's, like, there's smaller things. So, like, there's lots of characters in One Piece whose who's heights vary wildly. So you will get adult men who are, like, four foot tall. And, it's, and they're, not, yeah. they're not, like, they're not little people. They are just, that's just how tall they are. And you will also yeah. get, like, adult women who are four meters tall. Um, and, <laughs> and they're all presented as just being, like, humans. But the yeah. the size variety of humans in one piece is really wide. And so do you just throw that away? Like because yeah. it's it's kind of part because it's it's a big part. What they love to do with, with obviously with comic book adaptations is to take iconic panels and recreate them in live action. But yeah. what do you do if a lot of your iconic panels feature people who are vastly different heights? Yeah, like because if you you'll get the civil war problem where if you make them if you where when it's presented in live action it just looks shit compared to the panel. Yeah. Um, and then the final problem is I don't know how you cast it. So the yeah. so like so for instance like there's a character in the first episode. He's the main character's mentor, right? He's he's a he's an older pirate and he and he inspires him to go on his journey. And then he's absent for about four hundred chapters. Um. <laughs> Uh, and, and then and then he pops back up for like two minutes and then he's gone again like and he's not yeah. he doesn't really substantially appear in it for about 500 chapters or in real time about 10 years worth of money yeah so like, unless you like film it all in one go exactly and then... who did you cast as him 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you pick somebody good and important and then need to see if they're free in five years? Like, how many seasons are you yeah. plan to do? Because, like, it's yeah. a 25 I, I guess, I guess, series. I guess if you're able to get, like, a Guy Pierce or someone of that level, you then film, you, you basically say, look, we're going to film you back to back for two months and we'll stretch it out and, you you know, you allow us to have the use of your likeness or something for the next right. 10 years. But- then the problem there is, so Shanks, that character is in the first episode, he's Luffy's mentor, and then he reappears ten years later in a giant battle filled with characters who aren't in it yet in the first episode. Uh, so yeah. you can't film all this stuff. Just you just it's just not it's just not feasible. Like there's a cameo yeah. character in chapter two who appears again in chapter three hundred. Like again, and, 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 and you have no reason to think in this chat cameo in chapter two that he is of any importance in background yeah. character. But then he reappears eight years later and as it turns out it's very important. And like how yeah. how do you cast that? Like it's just yeah. not really possible. And I think it's gonna be one of those things, they're probably from what you're telling me, they're probably gonna simplify it and it will be great for a casual person, but someone who loves the characters and is invested as much as you are is going to hate it. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, I just like the joy of One Piece is the scale. It's a twenty-year-long series, still going strong. It's got thousands of chapters. It's it's incredibly consistent. It's really internally consistent. But like, there's characters in there who, if I was if I was a writer and I was going, okay, I need to adapt the first four volumes of One Piece into five episodes of TV. I would look at them and I would go, okay, well, this guy's not not relevant. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's like the 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 pirate who also looks like a clown. He's not important. He's got some funny jokes, but he's not a major character. So we'll cut him. Uh, and not only is Buggy the clown a super fan favorite popular character, who you can't. This really is the thing, isn't it? Cut yeah, because everybody will be upset. On top of that, yeah. he reappears ten years later. It's very important. So, so, like, you're constantly trapped by what, there's nothing you can cut. Because it's one of those stories where everything is important. Uh, and like, matters, literally yeah. there's if you just yeah, if you just whistle stop through the plot points, you won't get you don't get in one piece. So I don't yeah. like I don't think it's possible. But maybe I don't envy whoever's be, handling that, it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> well he's a big one piece fan as well. Like, okay. That's, that's one of the things done to try and appease us is that like he's mm. a really big fan he loves one piece i i, I believe mm. that he wants to do a really good job feasible do you know what i mean like it yeah. goes, it's just it's feasible to do like it yeah. to do right by star wars but I fundamentally believe that you can't make a good story set after star wars episode nine because, i mean no. like and no. i think that that's yeah, the thing sometimes no matter how much you love a story the task you're you're given isn't necessarily feasible to t- I, I don't i don't envy anyone that's trying to make a, a modern superman film i just yeah i think the audiences are too cynical for it to work and oh, i don't I'd, and i don't think he works in the dark setting either i'd take that that's that's a job i'd take i'd absolutely i i, I feel confident oh don't, don't get me wrong i feel like i could make a great superman film i also feel like i'd get butchered by all the fanboys for making it so I just wouldn't be a fun experience. I think I could make a great Superman film that you and me would enjoy a lot, and fuck everyone. Yeah. Who fucking cares? Like, you like, I, like I would make. I would, in fairness, what I would do is just a direct adaptation of All Star Superman, and fuck everybody. Like, I don't care yeah. if it makes no sense to the casual audience. I don't care. <laughs> it's not enjoyable for regular people. I that's I what I enjoy I, it. So yeah, like that's yeah. Right. So you'd be pleased to hear this week that um, I haven't been watching Sopranos TV show. Well, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But. 
I decided to watch a movie, The Sopranos movie. Oh, The Many Saints of... <laughs> the Many uh, Saints of Newark. The Many Saints um, of Newark. It is definitely a film. Um, <laughs> here's the problem. Here's the problem. So David Chase, he created the original series. He was due to direct this, and I think he had other commitments, so he got one of the long-standing directors, I believe, Alan Taylor, to direct this. And it's his. It's based on a David Chase script. The problem is you can tell Chase comes from television because there are about seven different plot lines in this. And in the, on a, a season of TV, those plot lines bubble and then they can all come to a head in either individual episodes or a finale. In a movie, they just kind of careen into different places and it sets up stuff that I don't think it really knows how to do well. It, I want to like it. There's elements in it like some of the cast are brilliant. John Burnfall's in this as Tony's dad and John Burnfall was just amazing in everything. Oh, he's great. There is a guy, I've forgotten his name, but the funny thing is he plays poorly in this for not very long. He's brilliant in this and he's also brilliant in No Time to Die. You're, you're looking for him online, but he's great. He's really good. The scenes with Tony don't need to be in this. They're just fan service. They don't, you could take all his scenes out don't, James Gandolfini's son, Michael Gandolfini, does a great job. He's He nails it. And it's fun to watch. But you could take all of Tony's scenes out of this film and it would be exactly the same. There's also narration. But the narration just happens whenever they feel like it. Oh, so it's that. very inconsistent. It, it definitely feels like an afterthought. And so it just when it comes back, it's like, oh, yeah, he was narrating. Oh, oh he's gone. He's gone. He's, he's not doing anything. So it's just got all these different threads in the positives i will say john berthel fantastic in this Corey stoll is brilliant in this he like nearly steals the show um i forget the lead actor's name but he's very very good and as a black man who's a massive fan of sopranos it's not a great experience whenever black people have been brought up on the tv show because yeah. they don't treat us very well um but black people are a big big part of the movie mm. and they get given a lot to do and they address kind of the racial atmosphere in America at that time and the tensions between black Americans and Italian Americans. There's a lot I want to like about, but there's just weird choices. Ray Liotta's in it and spoilers for the movie. Sorry, everyone. But um, his character dies. And then a second later, we find out he has a twin brother also played by Ray Liotta. Okay, and it's just jarring because it takes you out of the movie. You're like, "That's clearly the same man. <laughs> Why have you done this?" I can't really imagine. Um, I can't really imagine being all like, "Well, I've got one of the most successful TV series of all time. I haven't. I can't really direct the movie. I think I'll give it to the director of Thor: The Dark World and Terminator Genesis. That'll, uh, that'll yeah, people will like that. Yeah, like yeah, and it it feels like a guy who's only done those things. So. Yeah, I mean, I remember years ago there was talk of the Wire movie happening and then that got scrapped. And I think this is very a very good example of why, yeah, maybe those things just are stories better told over long-form television. They can't, they don't really work in a movie like this. It doesn't really know what story it wants to tell. Um, so if you like, the, if you like the, the, the show, watch it. There are some really funny in-jokes, like very funny, like you have to be a Sopranos nerd. They just dropped lines and some of us in the audience were absolutely cracking up because it's like, wow, it's a reference to that stupid joke from two seasons ago. Um, but overall, if like if it was if it was just an isolated piece of media, I don't know what story it's trying to tell. I don't know what point it's trying to make. Yeah, fair. Um, and I don't think it I don't think it knows it that itself. Um, 
Yeah, so for diehard fans only, I'd say, I'd say okay. like if you if you've never consumed any Sopranos media, don't, don't start, start with this. There. Just okay, go, yeah. yeah, go and get the box set. You'll love it. It's brilliant. Uh, it does look like from from a quick Google, it does look like No Time to Die is not not set the box office on fire. Not like yeah, it's not. It's certainly not performing as well as Venom Two or Shang Chi or Fast and the Furious Nine. Nine. Yeah. Nine? They're shooting 10 and 11 me? back to back at the moment. Nine? Jesus fucking yeah. Christ. Nine, nine, which is technically the 10th film in the series, because of course we have Hobbs and Shaw. I don't know what that means and I don't want to. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon with our Black History Month special. It's Black History Month here in the UK. Um, we have a different month from African American History Month. We've got some special guests. We'll be covering that. But um, let us know. If you want to hear us talk about a particular thing, um, we will probably do some kind of Halloween. In fact, didn't we already say we were going to do Halloween? Yeah, we're going to yes, watch Mission Impossible. We're going to watch all the Mission Impossible films for Halloween. So, yes, yeah, so our Halloween special uh, in two weeks, we'll do all the Mission Impossible films. Uh, I think the Black History Month is going to be in the next week or so, so keep an eye out for that. And there'll be other things. Matrix, we're going to do the Matrixes, yeah. and we will do Blade Runner. We'll get round to it. Thank you, everyone, for hanging around. Um, I had a, a personal thing, which is why we were we've been away for two weeks or so. But we will be back to normal soon. Oh, so I, thanks I for also, listening. I've also had some personal stuff going on, so it's you know it's but we've both been like really busy. I've got a new job and I'm moving house, so it's not exactly been, congratulations. Not exactly been an easy time for me, and obviously you've had like you know difficult times for you, and like yeah. So it's it's sorry it's been inconsistent, but we'll you know. We're we'll try. And we thank you, everyone, that has been listening. Uh, let us know what you thought of this episode. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Like, subscribe, rate us five stars, all that good stuff. Keep an eye out on YouTube. I will be uploading action figure reviews soon. And Patrick will probably do be doing some video game retrospective type stuff when we figure out. Yes. That all out. I, uh, so thank you. See you soon. Lots of love. Peace. Hey.